happy Super Bowl Sunday for all you football fans out there. May your favorite team win. On behalf of the San Francisco Ballet Center for Dance Education, I'd like to welcome you to the War Memorial Opera House and the San Francisco Ballet Meet the Artist program. I'm Cheryl Osola, a writer for San Francisco Ballet and editor-in-chief of Dance Studio Life magazine. And I'm delighted to have as my guest today, principal dancer Teet Helamitz. Hi, everybody. I'd also like to welcome those of you who tune into these, these uh, interviews via podcast. Uh, if you're one of those listeners, this interview is being recorded on Sunday, February 1st, 2015. Uh, the interviews uh, are available via podcast at our website, sfballet.org. And if you go there, you will find many, many things to distract you, uh, such as the company's blog, Open Studio 455, dancer bios, casting information, education programs, and much more. And if you'd like a little bit more information immediately about the Meet the Artist program, take a look at page 10 in your program book today. And speaking of books, this season we have a new keepsake book, uh, which is uh, available for purchase in the lobby and in the ballet shop. It is called The Look Book, and it is a collection of stunning dancer portraits shot by our resident photographer, Eric Thomason. Teet's photo is on page 17, so if you buy one today, you can actually get him to autograph it for you. He will be in the ballet shop, which is on the box level south side of the building, immediately following the interview until 2 p.m. So that's all of our preliminaries. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Teet before we start talking, and then there will be time for some questions at the end. Teet was born in Estonia and trained at Tallinn Ballet Academy. He danced with Estonian National Ballet and Birmingham Royal Ballet before joining San Francisco Ballet as a principal dancer in 2005. He has been a guest artist at National Ballet of Canada and at the International Ballet Gala in Taipei and at Estonian National Ballet, where he received an award for, for his performances in uh, The Sleeping Beauty and Romeo and Juliet. And of course, he dances a large repertory here uh, at San Francisco Ballet, including principal roles in every full length. That's a lot of princes, Teet. Yes. In the entrepreneurial realm, Teet put together a small troupe that uh, toured Estonia, and he produced a documentary about that tour. He created a multimedia uh, dance event at the de Young Museum, and he masterminded a US tour for Estonian National Ballet, which was the company's first visit to the United States. In other words, He's been busy. For those of you who are just now coming in, if you missed it, I am chatting with principal dancer Teet Helamets. So Teet, we'll start by talking about the season a little bit. Um, in program one, you dance in uh, George Balanchine's Serenade. And in program two, of course, you're dancing Albrecht again in Giselle. Uh, 
he did his first show last night, as a matter of fact. So Serenade is one of only, uh, is only one of 11 Balanchine ballets in your repertory. Um, and that which, I mean, runs the gamut from like Agon to Symphony in C to Stravinsky Violin Concerto. And, you know, Serenade, as, as some of you know, is, is pretty much a universal favorite. Uh, it was the first ballet that George Balanchine created after he came to the United States, after working with Diaghilev's Ballet Russe in Paris. And it's unusual uh, in his uh, body of work because he created it on students. That said, it's not in the least bit easy to dance. Um, Teet, you have danced both principal male roles, which are informally called The Waltz Couple and The Dark Angel, and I wondered if you could just talk a little bit about your experiences with the ballet. Hi again, everybody. Um, I, like you said, I've done both roles, and uh, this time around I'm doing The Dark Angel, and previously I did The uh, Waltz Couple. Waltz Couple is one of those roles that is very hard. It's vigorous, big dancing, lots of lifts and jumping around, and then you go off the stage, and um, it doesn't matter how much you give, the focus is almost on Dark Angel, and people go and say, like, did you dance in Waltz? Did you? I, really? I, don't remember seeing you. You get lost in that tool, which is wonderful because it's all about the women in that ballet. And, but it is very hard and, and um, very fulfilling to dance. And, uh, but with regards to Dark Angel, it is much more substantial. It's, um, it, people tend to have an uh, underlying story while they dance it. And, and there's something really hauntingly beautiful about that particular role. The music for Serenade is Tchaikovsky's uh, Serenade for String Orchestra, uh, written in uh, 1880. And, um, you know, it's, it's one of those pieces of music that's so beautiful. Somebody said to me the other day, I can't believe that this wasn't written for ballet. It seems so suited to dance. So I, I wondered if you could just talk a little bit about, about the importance of music and how much your own personal preferences might make a difference to you in terms of, of your performance. I, I think um, when you listen to this music, you can't help but just wanting to dance to it. It's, it just has a dancer's spirit in it. And... Um, it's no surprise that Tchaikovsky wrote so much music for ballet. It's, I think that you can really sense his passion for dance in this particular music. And um, I, I think it's greatly suited. It's great that Balanchine tackled this music and created this beautiful ballet to it because even with his simplistic steps, like you said, choreographing on a student's, it really still is shining. The music is shining, the choreography is shining, the steps are there. It's just really complete ballet. I guess, obviously, a good portion of the score is a waltz, so it makes sense that it seems danceable, but it wasn't written with dance in mind. Um, is, is this one that 
it just sort of lifts and carries you and, and, and are there others that you can think of that, that you feel the same way about? It is true, it, it does tend to lift you. It's it's very strange experience. You, you're in this pool of blue light and it's very spiritual and I don't know why, but it just makes you feel dig deeper in your character, whoever you're choosing to be. And it's, it's the music and it's the lights and it's the choreography and the simplicity. Um, another uh, Balanchine Ballet is on the program uh, this season, program seven, and that is uh, The Four Temperaments, which you've danced quite a bit, Teet. Stylistically, these are very, very different. Can, can you talk about that at all, just in terms of your own experience with it? I'm very glad to be doing um, Four Temperaments. And um, I, I uh, researched and thought about who I am in this ballet. And it, there's this great energy in this potter that has little vignettes of solos and coda and it's like a mini potter that everything is put together. Everybody gets to show um, their dancing and their partnering. And it is just has wonderful energy and the music is great. And it's, it's actually theme and variations, so it's on the theme. And this particular theme is much more upbeat and exciting and passionate and it's fun. Um, I have only danced it with two partners, with Lorena and um, uh, Sarah, and they're both very passionate. And so it's, it's, it's helping me to pull out that little extra. It's wonderful. Yeah. If you're just coming in, I'm chatting with principal dancer Teet Helmets. So let's move on to Giselle a bit. Um, you've danced Albrecht many times, including uh, in David Bintley's version at uh, Birmingham Royal Ballet. And, um, you know, I hear dancers talk about this all the time. You know, when you have a, a, a big dramatic role like this, it doesn't happen overnight. And, and over time, you, you develop the character. Um, so I just wondered um, how this role has evolved for you and if there's anything in particular you're focusing on this season. I, I did my first Giselle when I was 21 in Estonia. And uh, I've danced through this role now for 16 years. And, and really, I knew it. Every time it comes around, I think to myself, okay, yeah, I've done Giselle, I, I know how it's gonna start, how it's gonna end. And this particular time, I, I just didn't want to do the steps, the choreography. I, I really, I was ready to really just go beyond, to really transform and become Albrecht. And what is he thinking? Why is he doing? constantly asking the questions, why? Why am I going there? Why am I acting this way? Why do I go to the grave? Why do I leave the grave? Why do I run back to the grave? Like asking these whys just allowed me to just dig deeper into my character and I didn't want to waste a single moment of, 
or single action when I'm on a stage that I'm not thinking or I'm not present or I'm not conscious. I, every single scene I put thought into my character. And it took me two weeks to get there. And I really did not waste a single rehearsal. Every single rehearsal in a studio, I was in character and I just insisted on staying in character regardless of how I was feeling. Because I couldn't guarantee that I could reproduce that same feeling on a stage. You know, often you have, um, you have life, you know, things happened. And um, so I really, really dug deep. And last night I just, I, it wasn't me who was dancing, it was Albert. All right. So, you know, <laughs> Um, I, I've talked to quite a few dancers about uh, their experience with Giselle, and, and one thing that, that Maria Kochakova and Mathilde Frusti both have said is that um, you know, the character of Giselle is inherent in the choreography. And I think Mathilde put it uh, something to the effect of if you, if, you are, if you respect the style and the steps and the music, you will find Giselle. So I wondered, is that true for Albrecht? I, I think so, yes. But it, it's, um, steps are there to just, and choreography is there to, um, often sometimes even to just to give it an illusion of going into the right direction or, and, and uh, it can help you get there regardless whether how much thought you put into it, you'll still get there. But I, I just didn't want to just take that chance. I didn't want to just walk just because I had to. I wanted to walk because I wanted to. I wanted to walk because I had a purpose. And um, beyond the steps, at least to me, the steps are just a vehicle from get to A to B. But for your mind, there is so much more going on. And, and that was something that I was working on this time around. And it's, it's kind of a shame that it's, it's taking so long to get there, but I'm so happy that I arrived there because this is how I wanted to experience this particular role. Right, and I think that's exactly what Maria and Mathilde were saying, is that you know, it's there in the, in, this, in the choreography, but you have to then extract it and interpret it and, and make it your own. Um, well, along with everything else you've been doing over the past number of years, you were working toward your bachelor's degree through the LEAP program at St. Mary's College, and guess what? Congratulations. Thank you. You graduated. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, you know, what, what did working toward your degree do for you as a performing artist? How do you think it changed you? Uh, right off the bat, I realized uh, that I'm really good at time management. <laughs> and I got everything done, and I had time left over. It was fabulous. And now that I, I, I'm not in school anymore, I almost I want to take some class or, or do something again, because it was so wonderful. Like Everything was calculated, and I just did it. It was great. I got my work done. I got 
time with my family and I did schoolwork. It was fabulous. And um, it just taught me that um, even at this point, I'm a, I'm a good, honest student. I, I want to learn because I'm interested in what I'm learning. And that was just, it was just a great discovery. There's so much more out there and how blindsided you can get when just working on ballet and um, how much you miss. And it's all brought to you in a textbook and you can read it and it's so wonderful and you want to explore more. And uh, I think that's the best part of it. And also finally graduating. <laughs> Well, you mentioned time management, and I was, I was going to ask you, you, know, you, I mean, like you, many dancers in this company are, are balancing a family with a career that requires irregular hours, weekends, you know, evenings, touring. Um, it's a challenge, and maybe time management is your answer. I just wondered what you, how you figured out how to make it work. I, yeah, it, it really had to be. Priority had to be in the family, so the biggest chunks of time where I was just at the studios or where I was waiting for two hours, I wasn't just laying around, I, I did schoolwork so that when I would go home, I could completely be involved with the family. I didn't have to think about school. And um, just making that effort to always be there for the family, it, it was great. It was, it, I could do two three things at the same time, and it was, it was wonderful. Well, speaking of family, you have a five-year-old daughter who just started taking ballet lessons, which is no shock since she's a very familiar figure around here backstage and in the audience. What does she think? Well, she saw six Nutcrackers this year, <laughs> and uh, she said, she said, I, I want to be one of those bugs. I said, <laughs> on the stage, you know, running around. And I said, you know, like, you're going to have to work really hard. You're going to have to sweat and work really hard. And I remember when uh, I asked Patrick uh, if she could come in and take a class just to see if she likes it. And we got ready and we put on a leotard. And, and she said, okay, I'm ready to sweat. And it was it was really cute, but she she loves it. She loves it. Well, she's halfway there, I guess. So one thing you are doing lately is delving into some teaching around the Bay Area. You're teaching some classes for teens and adults, and you're doing some of that with uh, soloist Sasha DeSola. Um, how how is that impacting you? Is that is is there a rub off in terms of what you're bringing back to your own work in the studio? It's great. I love being able to give back to younger generations. I, I feel like that is our ultimate goal as dancers. It is to go experience it yourself and then give it back to the younger generation so that they can build upon it. And just teaching and analyzing the steps. And, and I'm one of those people who just, if I can't get an answer to why am I doing this, then I don't, I don't dive into it the same way. So breaking down the technique of why we are doing this particular step, what is it for? And then when you analyze it and break, break it apart to the students, suddenly you see their eyes just pop open and go, oh, okay, I, 
That's why we're doing tandus. They're not just so that they look pretty legs, but we're doing it so that when we jump, our legs get together, and when we extend our foot, it's all part of the dance, part of the jump. And, and it's so wonderful to see having them realize that. And uh, also at the same time, remembering these things that ta were taught to you, the importance of it. Just where are my steps coming from? How am I using my body? How open am I to the audience so that every part of the audience can see me when I stand like this rather than when I stand like this, where half the audience doesn't see what I'm looking like or what I'm thinking. And all these aspects of theater, and, and that is just something that only if passed on, somebody's gonna understand. And to us, it often comes naturally because we're not thinking about it or we're being coached very hard at, at a young age. And um, that's just, that's my duty as a dancer to give back to the younger generations. Yeah. I would imagine that now when you're taking class, you're, you're, you're busy sort of thinking, oh, yeah, I could use this combination or, you know, it's sort of a, a new, a new form of energy in terms of your own class taking. Yeah, it's it is is it's fun to take class and and um, you know if you you go into your ballet class, which we do daily and it's every day happening. If you go with the mindset of trying to discover something new or this, you're just gonna work on certain aspect of your dance. It just changes the whole. Uh, perspective of how you work and and uh, seeing your colleagues teach you class and you're you know you're feeling good and you're thinking like well, what how they're setting this class up and you're asking what what are they thinking or what is the particular goal for the class so it, it, it is all the process you know the, the staff there have their process the dancers have their process it's it's wonderful I think we could talk for another hour about that, but instead, I'm going to open it up to questions from all of you. I do ask one question, one brief question per person, and please speak up. How did you get from Estonia to San Francisco Ballet? Um, as a dancer, it's just part of being young dancer. You always feel like you're missing out, or grass is always greener somewhere else. And uh, I didn't come straight to San Francisco Valley. I, I went to England. I danced there for six years, and um, it was wonderful because I really just had only seen the dancers in Estonia. We had occasional guest artists from Bolshoi or Kirov, and. It was wonderful to see the different approach and the commitment that uh, English dancers had to English choreography and to the heritage work. And that was the company that really opened my eyes and I realized that I am a good performer. I, I, um, I can, I'm a good partner. I, I can do versatile stuff and that's when, uh, for after six years, I 
I had just done it over and over because the rep recycles really fast in England. We, the, we have vigorous tours where we are on tour for six weeks dancing, you know, like seven or eight shows of Albrecht's in Giselle or like Swan Lake. And, and you really get the essence of what it's like to be a principal dancer. And when San Francisco Ballet came over uh, in 1999, I think it was, to London, I'd remember just looking at their repertory and just thinking, oh my gosh, this is, this is where the future is happening and I'm missing out on it. So when I auditioned at 2005, Helge gladly offered me a contract and I was just, still to this day, every day I walk into this building, I can't believe I work here because it's that special. Like, this is where the future is happening. This is where we're creating the future of ballet, and I'm part of it, and that just feels amazing. So that was the reason why I, I chose to come here. She's commenting on the, the, the relationship between a, a dancer and the audience and whether the perception of that has changed for Tiet now that he's delved more deeply into the role of Albrecht. Yes, you're right, because initially when I did it, I just was, at the age of 25, at 21, I was, I was just mortified, like I was just terrified going on a stage knowing the amount of physical work I would have to do. And when you're 25, you're 21, you don't think really, um, you just don't see the, the, the most important aspect, which is the storyline. And that's okay, because you're still young. And, but for instance, last night, I didn't like, it was so strange, like I could feel the warmth from the audience, I could, I could feel your response, but it was almost like, like muffled. Like I, I couldn't hear the applause, I couldn't hear anything. I was so deep in my role. And whether it was you guys clapping or supporting me, that made me feel that way because it was incredible. Do you have a favorite ballet? Um, <laughs> hard to say. Um, there, Giselle is definitely one of my favorites. I, I love Giselle and I love Roman Juliet. I have danced these ballets a lot and I know the character probably the, the best out of all the characters. Uh, um, Princes are often in classical ballets as thought of as um, a kind of a, you need to guide them to the right direction. You know, you have to point three times to that same corner until they see it. And, and um, Albrecht and Romeo are not that way. They are passionate, they're driven from their hearts. And um, that, is, that is something that I try to instill in putting into these prince characters too. 
but it's not quite the same. So I would say Giselle and Romeo and Juliet are definitely my favorite ballets. I think we have time for one more. How old were you when you started dancing? I, um, in uh, the way it works in Estonia is that you get selected. You have to be handpicked to get selected into a ballet school and uh, when your proportions are just right what they're looking for. Um, usually they take you in at the age of 10 uh, and that's when you start. You can't start earlier, you can't start later, that's the start point. So I was 10 years old and uh, I, I got into company uh, when I just turned 18 and it was great, yeah. We are out of time. Um, I know that normally a lot of you like to come up and greet the guest after the interview, and I'm going to ask you not to do that today so that Teek can get upstairs to the ballet shop quickly, and you're welcome to go see him there. And I would like to thank you very much, Teet, for being here today. Thank you so much. And thank you to all of you for being here today. We would love if you would visit us at sfballet.org. And I hope to see you around the Opera House this season. Enjoy the show. Mm -hmm.